With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the March 27th, 2015 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is where we discuss news, politics, and sometimes culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Pretty soon, joining me will be cartoonist Bosch Faustin. In the meantime, I see some people are rolling into the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio. I see John is already commenting. Good evening, John. I got Stephen, Freedom Breeze, Craig, some guests. And people calling in on the line as well. If you do want to talk to me this evening, again, go over first to my blog at don'tletitgo.com and you can see all the program notes that we have for today's show. I also put a hyperlink to the program notes for today's show in the Blog Talk Radio description that you have right there in in your browser if you're uh, on Blog Talk Radio's website right now. So you can go check out all of those notes and see if there's anything you would like to talk to me about in that big list. 760-888-5817 is the number to call. Uh, Freedom Breeze says, sorry I missed Wednesday. That's fine. You know, we were doing so many shows this week. I think we were kind of raising the bar in terms of you guys keeping up with us. But we are going to settle into a two-show-per-week schedule unless something, you know, interesting. I mean, the reason we did three last week is just because Ted Cruz announced three this week. This week. Why am I calling it last week already? I'm putting the week behind me, I guess, is what I'm doing. But what we're doing next week is we're going to go ahead and do shows Tuesday and Friday. And that seems to make a little bit more sense from our perspective and hopefully from yours as well, just because there will be three days in between the two shows, and then only four days in between on the other end. So we're sort of halfway dividing it up. I mean, if you know, if God had created a week with an even number of days, you know, it would have been great. But he didn't, and so, you know I'm joking, right, because I'm an atheist. Um, speaking of which, I wanted to do something I don't do too often, but someone came over to the blog at DontLetItGo.com and made a comment on Wednesday's show. And uh, the person calls him or herself A. Valmont. Okay. I don't know if that's a a real name or not. Calling Santorum a theocrat is not a sane position. Yes, that was the... Oh, it's unhinged. Okay, those are the first two sentences of the comment. And yes, I did allow it to be published on the blog. I mean, you can go ahead and check out the whole thing. It's paragraphs long. But I just I wanted to respond to 
the idea that calling Santorum a theocrat is not a sane position. Now, is he a theocrat in the sense of he's going to burn witches at the stake and confine Galileo to house arrest? Probably not. But what I meant by that is that Santorum seems to have his religious belief play a role in his politics to a much greater extent than some of the other candidates. Now, I think a Huckabee would probably be similar, but I didn't see Huckabee last time in terms of debates and everything. I watched Santorum in the debates the last time around, and there were a couple things that I noticed. One is that he called for a lot of regulation of various industries, a lot of you know con- uh, government control over industries. So he's got that status bent to him. And in interviews, he explicitly rejected the right to the pursuit of happiness. The right to the pursuit of happiness really is the essence, the thing, the difference that makes the difference about the American system. If you literally have the right to the pursuit of happiness, then all the other proper rights, including the the right to property, are encompassed in that. And he, taking his religion seriously, does reject that. Our founders, who were pretty much deists and I don't think really brought religion into politics very much, they, of course, upheld the right to the pursuit of happiness and embodied it in the Declaration of Independence. Santorum explicitly rejected it, would qualify it. I just don't see that from a Ted Cruz, for example. Um, So that is why I would say, by contrast to Ted Cruz, Santorum, you could call a theocrat. And the, the you know the comment that I made was in the context of people talking about Ted Cruz as being too much of a religious threat. So no, I was saying I can understand if you're saying this about someone like Santorum because he actually brings his altruism in politics across the board, even to the extent of wanting to regulate fairly heavily certain businesses basically, you know, bringing uh, kind of a status bent to it. So, um, yeah, and that that's the sense in which I mean that. Santorum is un-American, says Rob Abiera in, uh, in the chat room over here. Ooh, somebody had to watch the Spectre trailer. Well, that's fine. All you missed was me talking about A. Valmont. So... I've I've already responded to A. Valmont, Bosch. A. Valmont is the one who said, Colleen Santorum, a theocrat, is not a sane position. It is unhinged. <laughs> okay. That's funny. Yes. But, I mean, I mean, I think, you know. I can also call Santorum anti-American. You can't be against the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, you can't. be American. No. You really can't. No. Explicitly? Explicitly. In interviews, we got we got to dig all that up. We weren't we have not really been looking. And again, you know, Santorum is only important to me insofar as he's going to be running again, and I'm sure he's going to try to run. And then we'll just go ahead and shred him in the debates and the interviews that come up. But we'll see it. But that is why I say it. It is a sane position, perfectly. It is not at all unhinged. The real question is, does the person want to govern? through his religion, and Santorum definitely takes his religion seriously and applies it, like I said, to the status perspective. So that was that. But definitely do go over to the blog, don'tletitgo.com. Check out all the stories that we have for today. We've got quite a hefty list here, which I guess it's because we spent so much time talking about Ted Cruz this week that we ended up with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, Bosch is getting his chair all set up here in the studio, tangling those cords around. Okay. Let's go ahead and go back here. So the first story for today is, of course, the horrible, horrible I guess we're going to call it an atrocity or a tragedy. I guess it depends on what is actually what has actually gone on with the co-pilot. German wings crash in the French Alps. It's an atrocity. Well, is it an atrocity or a tragedy? I mean, really, it depends what in the world was going on with this guy. There's a New York Times story. 150 people were murdered, killed. Right. And then the question is, was was somebody at fault? These were Americans, and Obama didn't say a word, by the way. Just a record. He's the president of the United States of America. Three Americans were killed in in that plane. He didn't say a peep as far as I know. Not at all. Not at all good. So they're saying that Andreas Lubitz, who was the pilot at the controls, he was actually the co-pilot of the German Wings jetliner, he had a mental illness, but he kept the diagnosis hidden from his employer. The fact that he converts Islam knows his mental illness? We don't know at all anything. No. And Some papers are saying that, some German papers are saying that he was a recent convert to Islam. He might have been. If you could find me a, a reliable link, I would Not love yet. to see. Okay, because I haven't seen. I've gone over to Jihad Watch, and if anybody was going to report on that, yeah. it would definitely have been Robert Spencer Robert over at Jihad is Watch. Robert to jump the gun, so if he reports, usually it's it's uh, it's true. Right, right. No, I um basically we're not we're not going to jump the gun here at all. And in the New York Times today, they talked about his extensive time going back and forth, being diagnosed by psychiatrists, being given notes basically saying he's too ill to do his job and that he would routinely tear up those notes and just go to work anyway and not tell his employer. So we don't know exactly what was behind his mental illness. We don't know whether what they do say in here, they make a point of saying that there were no notes left behind of a political or religious nature. That was something that the Times went ahead and uh, emphasized in here. But we will, you know, the, the truth will come out eventually if there is a truth to come out. And then, of course, the whole question is if there is an investigation. Yeah, this is a, the German investigators said they had not found a suicide note or, quote, any indication of a political or religious nature among the documents from his apartment in Dusseldorf. Now, that's documents, yeah. so maybe there was something on the computer. Also, they were trying to cover know. up if they can. There's a vested interest to protect Islam, so let's say if it is something to do with it, which some papers did report, some German papers, but we'll see. I mean, again, I'm just, I'm saying what, I, what I've seen out there. Right. We don't know yet. Well, we'll be following the story. and The truth will come uh, out eventually. And, and if it's actually going to come out, then it probably will be over at Jihad Watch, so do watch Jihad Watch for that. Um, and then, like, yeah, but is, is he crazy or is he Muslim? He could be both, but go on. No, no, of course, of course. And, you know, maybe if they have some sort of routine checks or it could be that his craziness led him to Which, convert to no Islam. Doubt. I think that's what some Western yeah. Congress do. Right, right. They're attracted to the nihilism. Right. But as far as we know, mental illness. This is the uh, the cause so far. The good news of this week, I mean, you know, it was coming. We knew this was coming. It's not a big surprise, but a lot of people are partying about it. Harry Reid is going to retire from the Senate 
in 2016. Yes. So that's good. Yeah. Of course, in if he waits till 2016, that means he's going to be around to try to help Obama in any way he can from the minority leader position in the Senate. So we have not heard the last of him by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. And, of course, we all know that it's just a game of whack-a-mole. You said you had heard that Chuck Schumer might take over for him? Uh, I put on Rush for a few minutes today, and uh, people were assuming that he would appoint Elizabeth Warren. But uh, Chuck Schumer, because of the seniority factor, might get it, because he's been there for who knows how long. And that might be the case. You know, I mean, I mean the only reason why Harry Reid got it, look at him. I mean, he's, he's a dead man walking, but he got it because he's the old guy. That's it. Period. Well, Elizabeth Warren seems to be the one who's making the headlines because, as you see, the next story that I have, it's from The Guardian. And Elizabeth Warren, I don't know why she's doing this because I don't think they can get anything passed in the Senate, like the thing that she's talking about. Although, I don't know. I mean, with the Republican leadership today, they might be able to get. But apparently what she's been up to is she is calling for Wall Street banks to be broken up. They're too big. Now, remember, the, the bank government's not too big, but the banks are too big. Well, and, and this is so ridiculous. The banks used to be too big to fail, so we would bail them out. Now they're just too big, yeah. and now we're going to break them up yeah. and probably make them fail. I mean, there was a whole story. I remember Rob Abiar a couple months ago maybe sent us a story about um, small banks in Oklahoma and they were talking about the fact that many of them were going to struggle or maybe end up having to close because of the increased regulatory burden on them. And it was only the larger banks that can shoulder the regulatory burden that's being put on banks these days and still remain profitable. So they, you know, just a few years ago, we had the whole TARP bailout and the right. financial crisis. Right. And we now they're so big, we can just break them up and what, not worry about them failing anymore? Yeah. You know, when the, when they finally have supposedly recovered, this is pretty crazy stuff. Now, um, you know, that's Elizabeth Warren, and you could see that she could become a real thorn in your side Senate minority leader if she chooses, like she's not going to try to run for president or win or anything like that. Um, she's just going to stay there in the Senate. She really could be the next Harry Reid. In fact, I think you said you envisioned... A cartoon? Yeah. <laughs> Harry Reid's face with her hair. Cause, you know, what, what's the difference? Right. Right. Um, but anyway, what the thing that's interesting about this Guardian story that actually makes it a decent news story is that the banks whom, oh, you know, Warren, she says she wants to break them up because everything's so unfair. How unfair that the banks actually earn money, you know, um, that maybe they aren't treating the little guy up to whatever her snuff is. She's a you know rabid egalitarian. So if the banks make any money and they charge people who don't have a whole lot of money any money at all, that, I mean that that's horrible. It's it's really bad. So um, what they're thinking of doing some of these banks is they are actually thinking of withholding campaign funds to Senate Democrats. Excellent. In retaliation. Now, there was something in the article about, and this is the Guardian article. Again, go to my blog, don'tletitgo.com. You'll see all of it. It says, the amount of money at stake, a maximum of 15000 per bank, means that the gesture is really symbolic rather than material. 
but the banks, the leader, you know, the heads of the banks have been having one-on-one conversations between their representatives. And uh, at this point, they really haven't coordinated any action, they say. But, you know, it's going to be a symbolic gesture. And they'll say, hey, you know, I mean, think about this. They are shackling the doctors, but they want the doctors to operate on them. Doctors are so good, I guess they still do it. Um, They're shackling the bankers. Now, the bankers, I guess, aren't quite as altruistic as the doctors. They're saying, hey, if you're going to really destroy our livelihood, maybe we're actually going to say something in return. We're actually going to do something. So, good for them. Because the doctors failed in a lot of ways. Um, You know, post-Obamacare, they didn't get together and uh, fight it in any fundamental way. Right. As a group, they didn't do it. An individual here, an individual there, there was no mass revolt from doctors, which is tragic. Another thing that's a, a good thing that come out of this is that political strategists are saying that due to the Democrats floating this and Warren floating this idea in particular, that Clinton could struggle to raise money among the Wall Street financiers because they worry that the Democrats are becoming less business-friendly. Now, historically, from what I heard, Republicans have also been surprisingly anti-business, that sometimes they take office and they want to, you know, pretend that, you know, they they don't want to be accused of catering to business. And so that sometimes they actually come down harder. So I don't try to prove right. I don't think a Ted Cruz would do that kind of garbage just based on what I've seen so far. But uh, Bushes, I think the Bushes definitely did that. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. That's what I heard from people in the banking industry. Um, Yeah, it says. uh, Goldman Sachs, I guess, which already made its 15000 donation for the year, took part in the Washington meeting between the four banks to talk about anti-big bank rhetoric of some of the Democratic lawmakers like Warren, but has not had any discussions about withholding money, a source close to the bank said. Quote, we will continue working cooperatively with members of Congress, regulators in the industry to foster constructive discussions around policy questions. So not all of them. Uh, Bank of America says they're not coordinating with other banks on when and how much to give, according to a source familiar. It has not yet sent in its checks. So they're all being asked, I guess, to send in checks. They say our decision to contribute will be driven more by the fact that many members of both parties understand the important role we play in driving the real economy and serving customers across the country. So he's basically saying, look, don't, you know, Look a gift horse in the mouth, so to speak. We are providing valuable services to the economy okay. and donations to them, too, right? Because, I mean, it's just going to make them look bad. So, anyway, Elizabeth Warren, even with a Republican majority, making calls to break banks up and just getting everybody mad. I mean, it's true. In a way, she's so purist, egalitarian, it's like she can't even restrain herself. No, she can't. And that's why she rises to the top of, of leftists who want her to run. Right. Because she's the one that's crazy enough to say the things that they don't want to say. Like, she'll say things that Hillary believes but wouldn't dare say. Mark says, wasn't TARP a Bush creation? Oh, yes, it was. No. But certainly the Bush Democrats were on board but he was, he with was all of that. And, and Obama did the second round. 
Yes, he did. He con- he just continued it. So he, he continued the Islamophilia. Yeah. He continued the bailouts. He continued this, you know, expanding government. But uh, you know, Bush Bush didn't do what he did. But Obama couldn't get away with it as much as he did initially. At least he wouldn't have been able to. But it was it was the uh, it was the status quo at that point. People accepted it. No? Oh yeah, okay. exactly, exactly. It couldn't be a you know a liberal position if a so-called conservative. Right. Yeah. But I, I love you. Remember, remember Bush. I have to compromise my free market principles right in here. order to save the free market. I got my cartoon here. <laughs> Die to live. That's a great title. Yeah, Bush. it's called oh. Die to Live. It's, it's Bush talking to an interviewer. He goes, "I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system." And the guy asks him, "And what exactly were your free market principles?" He goes, um, <laughs> "That's it. Um, that's just." And a, a woman asked me. A free market it, system is one that is on. It acts on principle. It was a line that he was fed, right? And then in another uh, interview, he goes, uh, "I chucked my free market principles." No, I say free market. Chucked. 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 Like up chuck. And. Uh, oh, you have to the, laugh because it's, just, it's, it's that. totally unbelievable. And then Obama comes in. And it's like, well, it's just it's a smooth transit. Talk about a smooth transition from one progressive to another mm-hmm. to a, a you know a more extreme progressive let's say so there was no major difference that's right that's right so going on to foreign policy saudi arabia says according to the independent uk that it won't rule out building nuclear weapons now in essence what it's saying is that they're jealous yes. They're jealous that Iran is getting all the attention and the goodies and the promises. And they're saying, don't forget also, about us. You know, from, from we want stuff, too. They'll have Shia nukes. We want Sunni nukes. You know? It's uh, different nukes, you know? Different. We'll, we'll have a, the name on it. It'll be different. Same effect, but look, they want nukes. And uh, Obama is making it happen. You know, the only force on earth who can stop Iran from doing it is us, and we're not doing it. So, you know... Or if we let well, Israel do well, it. Well, he's forcing them to do it, and they got condemned last time. They bombed the uh, the um, nuclear um, facilities of yeah. Iraq. Iraq, yeah. Iraq yeah. yeah. In the 80s, and they, they were condemned. Can you imagine if there were nukes in Iraq right now with ISIS having taken over so much of the territory? But no, let's let's blame Israel for having prevented that. Yeah, I don't think so. But yeah, I mean, you know, what what's to prevent Saudi Arabia? I mean, we're not preventing Iran from getting the nuclear weapons, so why don't they just jump right in and do it as well? Other interesting news this week, but it was sent to me both by Craig, listener to the show, thanks Craig, and Bosch, is this story about Ron Paul supporters bolting from the Rand Paul camp. You know why? Because he's not crazy enough, man. I mean, he's not crazy like his, Well, and, like, and, like and, and this is the question, right? The question is, because three of the guys that they mention in the article have gone over to support Ted Cruz. So is the idea, hey, look, the crazy people support Ted Cruz now, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> and right. they don't like Ron Paul because, you know, he's Ron Paul's too... Leftovers are Rand Paul is too establishment now for everybody, which in Politico's terms, Politico likes Rand Paul, you know, compromising with the establishment, so to speak, right? I don't even know who these guys are. No, but he learned what not to do from his father. He learned what not to say. Right. You know, that's why he keeps a lid on it. And then he flips up sometimes. Well, and then there was something. So, for example, um, I guess in the 2012 campaign, 
um, you could speak, I guess, at the convention or whatever if you endorsed Mitt Romney. Is that what it was? And so Ron Paul would not endorse Mitt Good Romney, but Rand Paul did mm. and got a prime spot to give a speech, et cetera, et cetera. I guess he felt that compromise was worth but but, you know, good for Ron Paul. He understood it, at least in that sense. So I'm not going to capitulate to these lousy right. demands right. for that hack. So I don't know who these defectors are by name that myself, because I'm not a big you know follower of, of Ron Paul's people. But one of them was the chairman, Drew Ivers, the chairman of Ron Paul's 2012 Iowa campaign. Um, and actually, yeah, so he said he will not endorse Rand Paul for president, but he says he doesn't plan to endorse any candidate at all. Then there's three other guys who were members of the Iowa uh, Ron Paul Aligned Liberty Movement. One is State Senator Jason Schultz, former Iowa Republican Party Central Committee members Chad Stenhoek, I think is how you would pronounce it, and Joel Curtinitis. And they are actually endorsing Ted Cruz. So, you know, what's what's the upshot here? Is the the upshot that Politico is trying to say, hey, Ted Cruz. Yeah, Ted Cruz. That's right. (laughs) From from Politico. Um, Ted Cruz. Because, you know, they talk about how, you know, Ron Paul was just a fringe guy and all of that stuff is in this article, and so maybe they're saying, okay. Yeah. Um, now, what I would say, because no Ted Cruz does have a broader appeal among the electorate than would a Ron Paul. Oh, yeah. Um, so maybe the fact that some Ron Paul people are going over to Ted Cruz just adds more chance that yeah. he can win. I don't know. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. You know, he did have a following, Ron Paul. You know, very uh, excited following. Right, just not some, just, some of them were crazier than him. Well, and sometimes you think it was big enough to make a difference between, right? But yeah. Anyway, not really, but you know, Ted Cruz needs all the help he can get. So if they want to vote for him, please bring it on. Now, the, this um, this next article I bring here, even though Doctor Heard, Doctor Michael Heard, the other day, really had kind of a scathing critique yeah. of Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz has an announcement in particular. Yeah. The event and where right. and the location and the religiosity of it right. all. But here, posted on March 26th, he has this article, which I would tend to agree with, which is, Ohio Governor John Kasich demonstrates why Republicans are losers. Now, what do we already know about John Kasich? That he eagerly embraced the Obamacare, excuse me, the Medicare expansion of Obamacare. So he's one of the governors who's a turncoat big time on that front. We talked about Um, it on the show. But here, let's let's hear what else Kasich has been up to. Uh, Writes Dr. Hurd, quote, Republicans are losers. By losers, I mean they often lose elections, especially at the presidential level. And even when they win, nothing changes despite their intentions. Taxes, government programs, government spending and debt, government regulations, they all keep growing and growing regardless of who's in charge, Republicans or Democrats. Why? He says a beautifully clear answer came at a Republican fundraiser earlier this week. Quote, the last guy to expand Medicaid was Ronald Reagan. It was with lines like that that Ohio Republican governor and likely presidential candidate, he's going to try to run, oh my God, John Kasich, Rubbed a small K-sick. audience of influential conservatives. Uh, yeah, ick. Yeah, or sick. Kasicky. <laughs> That's right. Icky, Icky or sicky. Yeah, both. 
Um, <laughs> sucky. K-suck. terrible. Um, anyway, rub the small audience of influential conservatives in New York City the wrong way. Sparks flew when conservative economist and radio host Larry Kudlow gave the floor to the Manhattan Institute scholar, Avik Roy, who asked, quote, is it fair to say you support repealing Obamacare except for the Medicaid expansion? Roy added that Kasich had been asserting that Medicaid critics on the right are, quote, going to hell. Kasich, going to hell. Yeah. Kasich, who has expanded the Medicaid, repeated the biblically-oriented arguments he has made before, suggesting biblically that... yeah, yeah and this is what he suggested. Supposedly he suggested that balancing budgets is not the question politicians would get asked in the afterlife, but what they did for the poor. <laughs> this was reported from Newsmax.com, yeah. who, I guess, paraphrased the speech for people. Yeah. So, you know, balancing budgets is not the question politicians. So, again... I, uh, what they did for the poor means what they stole from some people and gave to other people. That's what you're going to be asked about in the afterlife. And uh, we have to help him. So this is called. This is called. We have to help him get there. We have to help John Kasich get there. No, but this is. But this is called basically taking your religion seriously, taking seriously the idea of you are your brother's keeper, taking it literally and bringing it into politics through through his religion. And to cow people from arguing against it, like guys, would wouldn't you agree with that? If not, you're immoral. Yeah. They like a lot of them probably shut their mouth. Yeah. Um, Heard writes, he says, if the deeply Christian beliefs of service to others and self-sacrifice as the central purpose of life prevail when it comes time to cut taxes, cut or eliminate social programs, or put Americans on notice that Medicare's days, years are numbered, basically what are they going to do, that they're going to be caught in these contradictions. You know, Ted Cruz um, but, hasn't, hasn't been engulfed no, as far, by I mean, the sacrificial... Ted, Ted Cruz has never spoken like this. No. And he has never explicitly rejected the pursuit of happiness, although in certain ways he implicitly rejects right. it. And, but, but this idea of coming out explicitly that way, that is somebody you run Far away from the at the ballot box. Plus, also one thing when when it didn't go over well, that's when he said biblical. You know what I mean? Guys. Well, and okay, so this no, is, this is why. Meaning, like, wait, yeah. that line didn't fly. Uh, God, Bible, huh? No. And this is why I say we are going to learn so much oh, yeah. when we see these debates. So, for example, suppose there's a Santorum running again. Suppose that Kasich is also running, and they're in these are. debates. Are they not going to call Ted Cruz and say, you know, call him on his inconsistency, you know, because sure. he's, oh, you're religious, aren't you? Well, then how can you be sure for just a flat tax? Don't you think we should do more to help and the poor, right? And it's going to be very interesting to see what he does. As for now, Ted Cruz has come out of the gates really quickly. An article at U.S. News says that his rollout of his campaign breaks the rules and scores a quick million. Now, I do not understand the ins and outs of campaign strategy at all, but the whole idea was that they decided whether or not to start the candidacy at the end of a fundraising quarter or not. And somehow the reason to do it would be only if you thought you could raise a million dollars in the first week. 
why? I guess you don't want to have a fundraising quarter end without having at least a million dollars. It just looks bad if you have less than a million. I don't know exactly why. But it turns out that he hit a million dollars in just one day. So forget that whole idea of, oh, can we hit it in a week? So it was a lot more than they expected. Definitely. Out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate, which is perfect and awesome. Um, It says, while initial media reports detailed crews raising 500,000 on the first day, the candidate actually reached the 1 million marker near 2.30 a.m. on Tuesday, just past the first crucial 24 hours since the campaign's launch on Twitter on midnight Monday. Now, see, he launched on Twitter. That's right. That's where he launched his campaign. <laughs> yes, he gave his first speech at Liberty University, yeah, but he actually it. launched his campaign on a high-tech media, secular, <laughs> secular media. Right. You know. yeah. um, but anyway, so financially, he's doing quite well. You, there was a comment? John just, just writes, mm-hmm. uh, running off of the, uh, you know, if you're a critic of Obama, you're racist. He goes, well, Kasich detractors are going to hell. Yes. And Hillary detractors are sexist. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a uh, case. Uh, so that means we can both be sexist and go to hell because we don't like either of them. Yes. 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 High five. All right. And racist for Obama. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, don't forget that. Yeah, because we'll be glad that yeah. he's no longer in office at a certain point. Right? And we'll be happy. And then that, of course, makes us racist. Now, uh, what I want to do is I want to play just one small clip from one of the many interviews that Cruz has done over the week. And actually, I wanted to ask you about one, because I remember that you watched one in which Cruz was asked about what do you say to social liberals? And he kind of said, well, we welcome everyone, but basically I, they know what I stand for, right? Oh, he did say that. Yes. And he also said in one interview, I think, with Glenn Beck, um, I'm, I'm, I'm very libertarian in a lot of ways. Right. Which he didn't talk about on, on his speech, but yet, which I really never heard him say that. Well, he did. Met, he emphasized the word liberty yeah, during the but speech. But just libertarian, right. you know, specifically that term. Yeah. He did say that, and he said a few interesting things in the last week. You know, he's done a lot of interviews. The reason I brought up the issue about the social liberal stuff is that in this yeah. clip, uh, they end up cutting it off before he answers it. But let's yes. go ahead and listen to him address the issue of climate change. Let me get some more volume. But you just said, you know, you're you're against pot, you're against uh, gay marriage, you you don't believe that global warming is man-made. Those are issues that if you look at the polls, young people are are completely have a different view of that. Are you out of step with with most young voters? And and how do you convince them, given that? Well, let me take one of the components of your question and address it directly, then then let me address your broader question. You you mentioned global warming. Uh, I'm a big believer that we should follow the science and follow the evidence. If you look at global warming alarmists, they don't like to look at the actual facts and the data. The satellite data demonstrate that there has been no significant warming whatsoever for 17 years. Now, that's a real problem for the global warming alarmists because all of the computer models on which this whole issue was based 
predicted significant warming, and yet the satellite data show it ain't happening. But what, 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 what if there is something to it? I mean, we, okay, let's say, let, I, you know, a lot of people say the science is clear. Most people say the science is clear. But let's say that it's not. Let's say it's not clear. Why not do everything we can to reduce our carbon footprint? Wouldn't that be good to, to, be, to have some humility even about it? Even if it's not happening, just, let's do it anyway. Even, if it's, even if it's totally arbitrary, yeah. let's just all slit our wrists. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. This let's, is the kind of question they put in. Let's all go him. broke. Yeah. Let's all kill ourselves because it's possible. Right, right. And now this is this is this is where Cruz could actually use the moral case for fossil fuels yes, uh, to to help him with his One answer. Second. Could you just fill people in because it was so oh, low they probably yeah. missed it all the um, opening at least. Well, they were just you know he was just asking about climate change, but point is um, the moral case for fossil fuels I think would help him. But let's let's uh, listen to the rest of Cruz's answer. Okay, let's let, let's talk about about having humility. I read this morning a Newsweek article from the 1970s talking about global cooling, and it said the science is clear. It is overwhelming. We are in a major cooling period, and it's going to cause enormous problems worldwide. And the solution for all the advocates in the 70s of global cool, cooling was massive government control of the energy sector, of our economy, and, and, and aspects of our lives. Now, the data proved to be not backing up that theory. So then all the advocates of global cooling suddenly shifted to global warming. And they advocated it's warming. And the solution, interestingly enough, was the exact same solution, government control of the energy sector and every aspect of our lives. But then the data don't back that up. So if you notice, the term has shifted. And now suddenly it's climate change. And climate change, for, and again, the solution is government control of the energy sector and every aspect of our lives. And when someone keeps proposing the same solution regardless of the problem, you start to think maybe they just like government control of the energy sector and every aspect of our lives. And, and I am the child of two mathematicians and scientists. I believe in following evidence and data. On the global warming alarmists, anyone who actually points to the evidence that disproves, disproves their apocalyptical claims, they don't engage in reasoned debate. What do they do? They scream, you're a denier. They brand you a heretic. You know, it, it is, today the global warming alarmists are the equivalent of the flat earthers. You know, it used to be, it is accepted scientific wisdom, the earth is flat, and this heretic named Galileo was branded a denier. And yet, I like that he brings in the example of Galileo because, of course, yeah. it was the church right. who did, right? right? So he's basically standing up in favor of Galileo it in is. that example. Good job. There are an awful lot of people making a whole lot of money. Al Gore has made millions of dollars off of global warming. And a lot of these scientists who are most vocal about it are receiving massive grants on this theory that the data are not backing up. And, and you ask, well, why shouldn't we do everything? You know, we shouldn't be causing millions of hardworking men and women to have their energy bills go through the roof. It causes real harm and suffering when people all across this country lose jobs because the federal government wants to take control of aspects of our lives. It causes real suffering when hardworking, when single moms who are trying to feed their kids see their energy bills skyrocket because politicians are imposing massive costs and that's not something we should do lightly. So I like that. I like that. He says that's not something we should do lightly. Now, um, the it, he could have definitely just hit a home run with that if he had brought up Alex Epstein's argument, which is suppose there was a little bit. Uh, I mean, 
suppose that there was. Now, are we going to be better prepared to live a thriving life if we continue to exploit fossil fuels and have air conditioning and heat and all the different things? Or are we going to be better off going and, uh, you know, living without these conveniences? I mean, you know, again, the environment for human beings has been vastly improved by the exploitation of fossil fuels and the fact that there's going to be a little bit of a temper change here and there, um, some more weather here and there. No. Um, so, you know, I, I agree with him that well, really well that the, the, there's no, there is no strong scientific argument for us to take drastic measures like those that are being called for. Um, but even if there was some sort of change that you could right. document, it would still be better to stay on course Absolutely. and live full, awesome, comfortable lives, you know, using these fuels. And it's our ability to exploit these fuels and tailor our environment to our needs that's going to make us continue. But I, I, I really, I, I like his answer. From where he's coming from, yeah. being a politician, pretty damn good. Yeah. Pretty damn good. Pretty good. Uh, selfishness says, I want my 25-cent light bulb back. Oh, I would like that too. You know, there are certain bulbs in the house that I just do not want to replace with an LED, you know. Um, the light is not the same. Now, oh, speaking of light, <laughs> we're sitting here in the... Yeah. So we, we don't have our, our geeky night glasses on, by the way. Oh, my gosh. That's a, it's a horrible thing. I, I don't know if I told you guys about the geeky night glasses. So um, I've talked a couple times. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, and one of the things I've been doing with, you know, just trying to get better is get better sleep. And one of the things you can do to get better sleep is buy a very cheap pair of, I guess, safety goggles is what they are, but they happen to have amber lenses. And those amber lenses, if you put them on, will filter out whatever the blue light is that keeps you up in the evening. So in addition to having the flux whatever on your computer which does keep you from getting the, the you know the wrong kind of light from your computer monitor you can put these glasses on and that's basically oh yeah mine might be gone anyway um but those those are basically in addition to um you know it just helps you keep the light out of out of your eyes and you don't have to put special bulbs around your house or any of the weird stuff you can just put these on now you look like a complete and total geek. So at some point, I guess I'll have to post a picture of me and these silly things. But if you wear them for an hour or two before you go to bed, you will get much better sleep because it allows the melatonin cycle to do its thing, even though you're surrounded with artificial light. So whatever that's worth. If you go to um, Amazon, and again, I've got that handy-dandy Amazon link over at don'tletitgo.com, you can get these. It's Uvex, U-V-E-X, Glasses, and let me see if I can actually get the the specific model number for you, and you can check them out, and you can see how geeky they are. One sec. Okay, here it is, model S nineteen thirty three X, and yeah, if you wear these things for an hour or two before you go to bed, and you go to bed at a decent hour you get a better quality of sleep. So there's my endorsement, and that's why sometimes I wear very geeky-looking things. Okay, so um, why did we get on that? Oh, because of light bulbs. Yeah. yeah I um, 
One thing I like about those LED bulbs is that they don't make the rooms as hot. So in the summer, you can actually save on your air conditioning bill in addition to just saving on the light bill because you're not heating up your room. But the quality of light is just not acceptable in certain contexts. And so there are certain places where I keep that bulb. I think I just broke these things now. Let me see. No, maybe I didn't. I hope not. Trying to put them on while I'm uh, wearing my headphones. It's not working. Okay, so let's let's go on. From Ted Cruz to what's going on with Obama and Bo Bergdahl. Actor Gary Sinise this week has actually demanded, he thinks that Obama should answer for whoever died, the men who died, to save Bergdahl. As you know, Bo Bergdahl this week has been charged with desertion. And, of course, that made us feel wonderful about the five Taliban members that were released in exchange for Bo Bergdahl. Um, I won't even play the clip of Jen Psaki uh, saying that Bo Bergdahl's release was absolutely worth it. I do leave the link for your perusal at don'tletitgo.com so you can check that out. There's a little clip that I do have, though, of Hillary Clinton, who's asserting that Bo Bergdahl that he deserted. That fact doesn't matter. We still should have brought him home. Let's see if we can... Yeah. Did he make a deal with the devil on releasing those five Taliban? I think this was a very hard choice, which is why I think my book is so aptly named. If you look at uh, what the factors were going into the decision, of course there are competing interests and values. I mean, one of our values is we bring everybody home off the battlefield the best we can. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how they ended up in a prisoner of war situation. It doesn't matter? It does not matter. We bring our people home. Sawyer's like, it doesn't matter? Yes. It doesn't matter if he deserted. It doesn't matter if he joined up with them. It doesn't matter if he became a jihadist. It doesn't matter. I'm a jihadist. Come get me. That doesn't matter? That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Apparently not. Apparently not. So... Remember, this is a woman who will be running for president. It doesn't matter that Bergdahl deserted. We still should have traded the five Taliban members. I think three of them have tried to rejoin the jihadist movement. They probably have. And we wouldn't know otherwise. They're not not keeping tabs on them. But but what I'm saying is um, Obama knew this. Obama knew this guy was bad. Remember his father when he had that... Ceremony at the White House with his father's long beard and his father was starting slicking the schlocking the slicking the Remember that? He was speaking about Allah in Arabic. Right. It's like, did, did they all convert the whole family? I don't know. But uh, Obama knew he was a deserter. That's, sorry, he's a traitor, is what he is. He threw in with the enemy. He left the camp. He left us. He went, he went to them. And uh, we haven't heard a peep from him. I mean, nothing. They probably talked to him and said, we can't let this guy out of our sight. Right. Don't let him go to the media ever. Yep. Sorry. Someday we'll hear from him, and it's not going to be pretty. That's all I can say. Yeah. Don't you think? Well, I might hear yeah. two words, Allahu Akbar. Now, there's another story that's been going around this week, but I think we have to, I would just say, take a chill pill for a lack of better language at this hour. But it's from a place called Right Wing News. Hillary Clinton sends warning to media of words she won't allow them to use to describe her run for president. And in the story, they actually show a number of tweets 
from a New York Times political reporter. Her name is Amy Chosik, and she notes, they say, Hillary's people are sending out warnings to the press. Now, it is true that Chosik sends out these tweets quoting these Hillary supporters who are telling her, basically, that we're not going to let you use certain words. Um, They say, apparently, we will be watching, reading, listening, and protesting coded sexism. Sexist words, they say, include, quote, polarizing, calculating, disingenuous, insincere, ambitious, inevitable, entitled, overconfident, and secretive. Um, or if rats? you say she will do anything to win, if she represents the past, out of touch, etc. If you tell the truth about her. And uh, Amy Chozik was told by these people, you are on notice that we will be watching, reading, listening, and protesting coded sexism. The email reads. Now the that they're, they're trying to intimidate her. Now the people, they call themselves HRC super volunteers. Now, obviously, this group you know, they may just be real volunteers where actually Hillary hasn't asked them. But, 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 but Hillary said, look, don't connect it to me fully. Completely. Well, of I mean, course. I mean, I mean, she is she color. is secretive, yeah. right? And and because she's everything that that that, that she's cold. Right. She's everything. Right. You know, don't call me what I am. And if you do, you're a sexist, and I'm going to get away with murder the way Brock did yeah. about his black skin. But it, but you have to, you know, qualify. So when you've got this. You know, I mean, the, the the headline here says Hillary Clinton sends warning. That's not Hillary Clinton. That's some people, yeah. and we don't yeah, know whether course. it's at her behest or not. Now, obviously, they they purport to support her, but has she ha- denied this? Um, I haven't seen her deny this yet. I, but I, I mean, if that. I was her, I probably wouldn't even acknowledge it at all, right? Yes. I wouldn't talk about it at all. But you know, it, it is nothing that would help Hillary Clinton to have this out there in the world. And it's good that the New York Times reporter went ahead and tweeted out and said, by the way, there's some people trying to intimidate me yeah. and not use certain words to describe Hillary Clinton for, for what it's worth. Um, now, Rob Abiera Rob sent me a story, and I'm not going to go into it too much, but it's from the newsoklahoma.com. And the headline is, Companies' employees are increasingly becoming targets of government investigations. And there's some tips in here about, you know, what you should do if you are a target of government investigation. In essence, you need to get a lawyer and consult as to what you should and shouldn't share and things like this. There's one thing that, from my experience, um, I've uh, taught in the past, but I haven't taught it for a few years. I've taught legal ethics. And part of what you talk about in legal ethics is evidentiary privileges. And from what I understand, there are companies who have really been bitten in the butt during government investigations because apparently there are rules having to do with the fact that if you decide to cooperate with a government agency and share certain data with them as part of an investigation, then you end up giving up privileges attorney-client privileges with respect to the data, and it can be used in other ways against you. So I'm just adding to whatever advice, you know, again, if I'm, I'm usually not in this situation, uh, government, you know, I'm just small fry to, the, to those people, but there are big companies and employees of big companies and stuff who are increasingly getting more and more investigations coming after them. If you are one of those people, be careful as to what you share with them because sometimes you know, you sharing it for one purpose 
voluntarily in a certain context means you might give up the privileges with respect to that information entirely, and you could really, really get screwed. This is not good. Um, I, I thought that was a pretty unfair rule that they have. Uh, Google apparently saying to Congress, it's time to reform our surveillance laws. They have signed... Ooh, I just I just uh, clicked the link and I found nothing. I got a 500 internal server error when I went ahead and clicked the link. Let me see if I can get it up again this time. Okay, here it goes. Uh, Dear Congress, it's time to reform our surveillance laws. And this is dated from March 25th, just the other day. It says, earlier today, Google joined with the other companies of the Reform Government Surveillance Coalition, along with civil society groups, trade associations, sending a letter to Congress that underscores the essential elements of any surveillance reform legislation. So they say that there has to be a clear, strong, and effective end to bulk collection practices under the Patriot Act, including Section 215 and 214. Uh, any collection that does occur should happen uh, should have appropriate safeguards to protect privacy and user rights. Now, I think that they should specify probable cause and particularized suspicion. Why not put that in their demand there? I don't know. Uh, the bill must contain transparency and accountability mechanisms for both government and company reporting, as well as appropriate declassification regime for foreign intelligence surveillance court decisions. Um, now, I think what really should be done is they do need, they need to say probable cause and particularized suspicion. Those words should be in here. And the other thing is calling for legislation can help only so much. I mean, it would be nice if Congress was better about this, but I think the only way to have lasting reform in this area is for the Supreme Court, when it does hear these bulk metadata collection cases, to either severely roll back or completely eliminate the third-party doctrine that makes this possible. Remember, the third-party doctrine is the doctrine that says once you share information with a third party, that information is no longer protected by the Fourth Amendment. You're said to no longer have a reasonable expectation of privacy in that information. Government can obtain it from the third party like Verizon without a warrant at all. No probable cause, no particular suspicion. I think that doctrine needs to be repealed. I've written and published a law review article on how that could be done. And it's time, I think, that they go ahead and get rid of it. It was brought into this business context, you know, telephone records and everything, in a really shady way. They just kind of uh, ported it right over from criminal cases to cases where an innocent person is doing business with the phone company. So this is what they need to do. Um, you know, it's good that Google is speaking out on this, but I don't think they're going far enough. Are they earnest? Only they can say that. But that was the question that Gail had is, are they earnest in this? It'd be nice if they were. I mean, it, it, in one way, they might be trying to call attention more to um, the government as opposed to them because Google is, you know, kind of a pariah in, in the privacy realm. They always accuse Google of, of getting anything. Now, here's something. Did Obama actually declassify reports on Israel's nuclear program out of revenge, <laughs> out of what? vindictiveness? We can't put anything past him. Do you remember when we were talking about Chris Christie? Yeah. 
and we were talking about that whole bridge fiasco yeah. and how out of political vindictiveness, yeah. they created a phony traffic jam that cost people hours of their lives and tons of stress. Yeah. Right? Just block the roads up. As someone who drives in traffic in Southern California, I can tell you this is a horrible thing to do to anybody in particular. So we were saying, well, imagine the sort of thing that somebody like that when they have power would do out of political vindictiveness. We might have an example of it right here. Jihad Watch, again, the headline is Obama's Revenge, U.S. Declassifies Report on Israel's Nuclear Program. Robert Spencer, first word of the article is shameful. He says, the obvious implication here is that Israel has a nuclear program, so why shouldn't Iran? But Israel has never had crowds marching in Tel Aviv screaming death to Iran. Israeli leaders have never declared that Iran had no right to exist and would soon be destroyed. Israel, Israel does not men- Yeah, Iran is the greatest state sponsor of terrorism on earth. Exactly. <laughs> Two big differences there. Yep. And Obama can't make that distinction. Why? Because he sides with the evil side. Now, the, it was originally reported in Aretz Sheva. Is that how you pronounce it? Probably. And they say, in a development that has largely been missed by the mainstream media, the Pentagon early last month quietly declassified a Department of Defense top-secret document detailing Israel's nuclear program, a highly covert topic that Israel has never formally announced yeah, to avoid knows, a regional nuclear arms race. Everyone knows Israel has nukes, and they don't talk about it. And it's been an understood secret. And Obama now wants to make it clear that to the world they actually, they actually have one to hear some details about it. Right, right. I mean, he's, you know, I would have put it past him. He's evil. Right. And they say the timing of the revelation is highly suspect given that it came as tension spiraled out of control between Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and U.S. President Barack Obama ahead of Netanyahu's March 3rd address in Congress, etc. Another highly suspicious aspect of the document is that while the Pentagon saw fit to declassify sections on Israel's sensitive nuclear program, it kept sections on Italy, France, West Germany, and other NATO countries classified, with those sections blocked out in the document. The 386-page report entitled Critical Technological Assessment in Israel and NATO Nations gives a detailed description of how Israel advanced its military technology and developed its nuclear infrastructure and research in the 1970s and 1980s. Can you believe this? No. So they actually published a document describing how Israel attained the bombs. Um, to what end? Yeah. To help them somehow. Because that's not something they want to do. No, not that's at not all. Something to, so they say, you know what, let's let's uh, do what they don't want to do. Yeah. So this is terrible. The idea of a president, a U.S. president, doing this to Israel, I can't even imagine. Well, he's, you know, I haven't heard, have you heard Ted Cruz speak out on this at all? No. Not that I know. He may have. I don't know. I haven't heard it, but it would it would be interesting to hear. He was raised by communists and Muslims, and uh, you know, socialism, communism. There's a, a Jew hatred. That that's part of it because they're after the political. Yeah, Ron, Ron in the chat room. Hi, Ron. I think you're new, actually. So welcome to the program. He says, "Where is the outrage over this?" By outrage, he means he means people should be marching on Washington. He says this sheer, clearly shows the weakness ineffectiveness and nature of the Republicans. You mean that they're yeah, not because, marching on Washington? No, because they should be fighting this yeah. for us. And the, it's the People's House Congress. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to represent us. And they're supposed to 
you know, even express our anger, our outrage, and go there and go to the house to the, to the floor. But no, uh, I mean, we we we've gotten to the point where we expect this guy to be as evil as he actually is, and just wait till to wait, wait till he leaves. There is one thing that you might say, though, right? You know, because again, the whole point is to not have the information spread out there as much. Maybe you don't want to make a big deal to keep putting it in front of people's faces. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like if they say, "Oh, the New York Times." What at one point didn't they like publish the addresses of gun owners or something, yeah. or somebody was publishing the addresses? Yeah. So the point is, if if you keep pointing that out, it's like, look, you can find the addresses of gun owners yeah. too. Isn't that awesome? At, at right? the same time, Obama was uh, he went on a full uh, full on assault from day one on us to the point where we're used to it now. This has become the norm for years and years now. Well, that's you know he's doing what 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 evil thing is he doing today? Where it would have been normally an absolute outrage, but now mm-hmm. we expect this from him. Republicans have sold out, and uh, we're stuck here. We can't go there if they're not doing anything. We can't impeach him. No, nope. we can't. Our representatives are supposed to to be, to be doing that, and they won't. So, no, I mean, absolute. you know, and then it puts the question to. Are we going to survive? Is Israel going to survive Obama's presidency? And that's an actual concern. Absolutely. This is an actual concern. He's um, like hell-bent on getting Iran to get nukes. He's hell-bent on making it happen with pretending he's stopping it somehow. He's hell-bent on making it happen. His department actually took uh, what Hezbollah and some other group on the out, outside of the um, terrorist organization list. Literally, mm-hmm, right, literally, right. A terrorist group who who murdered Americans, two hundred forty one, um, two hundred forty one Marines, nineteen eighty one, I think, or eighty three, which Reagan didn't do anything about, which right. is which is horrific. So here is Robert Spencer. I had, I couldn't resist putting this other story. You may have heard it earlier this week. Australia foils two hundred thirty Muslims trying to leave the country to join the jihad. Now, he says he does not, like everybody else, think this is a feel-good story like, wow, you know, they're really stopping them and stuff because he says that the Australian authorities are not going to do a single thing to disabuse these young Muslims of their jihadist sentiments. So what's going to happen? Are they going to wage jihad at home? He says, why not just let them go and not let them return, right? Associated Press story from March 26 says that counterterrorism squads have prevented 230 suspected jihadists from departing Australian airports for the Middle East, including at least three teenage boys. They had previously announced that two Sydney board brothers, ages 16 and 17, were intercepted at the airport. Uh, the siblings were returned to their family and were to be charged. So they're not being held? They're returned to their family. I mean, this is just... Um they should send them to paradise, you know. They have the other dreams of paradise, right? Within a week, a 17-year-old boy guys, was intercepted at the same airport on suspicion that he was headed for a Middle these, Eastern these battle. These guys are on mm-hmm. their way to join an enemy that is against the Australian mm-hmm. government, that is against Western civilization, that is at war with us. So these guys are on the verge of joining that war against Australia. And they, you know, I think one guy, they actually let go, and he ended up uh, shooting up some cafe. Uh, I think one... What they're doing is they're they're keeping these guys from doing what they have to do in their mind. They have to go fight jihad. So then they say, okay, 
I, I feel a little pent up here. I'm going to go around the corner and just start killing some people. That's what they're doing now in Europe. I mean, I don't understand. It, it's absolutely irrational. If they know that they're about to join an enemy that's at war with their country, they throw them in jail. If they came from another country, kick them out. Yeah. I mean, that's it. You know, ensure the safety. Actually, I would, I would just say you watch them. If they go and they join, they never come back. Yeah. That's it. I don't care whether they were born in your country or not. There are certain things that you do that are treasonous, and you're gone. Think about the universe that these Muslims live in now. Like Bergdahl. No, with the the hand-holding of the Western governments. Mm -hmm. They actually believe they're going to go out there, join the jihad, and then say, okay, I'll go back to that infidel land. And um, you know, get some more, you know, uh, goodies. Wolf, get some more goodies. Get, right. get some more welfare money. Right. Maybe kill some people up in the cafe around there. And they expect this now. These are the expectations for jihadists now. Come and go as they please. Go out, you know, wage jihad, and then come back and get some more money from the government. Yeah. And our, uh, the Western governments have allowed them to to believe this. This is sick. Do you hear this? You hear this sound? See, that's an obnoxious sound, right? Now, this is a cheap water bottle. Well, or not necessarily cheap, right? Environmentally friendly water bottle. So it used to be that water bottles did not make these silly sounds because they had thick enough plastic so that you weren't constantly, you know, the slightest pressure that you put on it didn't kind of warp it or indent it or um, bend it. But every slightest touch on water bottles these days and why because they make it with as little plastic yeah. as possible there's somebody out there saying okay i can take like another half ounce of plastic out of this thing if we just do it like this because i will fit and the fact that you can't hold it without making a whole ton of noise doesn't even occur to them they don't know that there's people trying to have talk shows that want to drink water from bottles and not go <laughs> right yeah. yeah, but they will save the earth that way. Free Embry's in the chat room. She says, yeah, Edward Snowden is locked out of America. Yeah, yeah because he is. You have jihadists who are walking, roaming, western. Bergdahl, we bring countries. back. We bring back a scumbag. Trade him for five scumbags. But Snowden. You yeah. know what? Give us uh, one scumbag for five. We'll give you five. <laughs> okay, great deal. And those guys are, you know, they're out to kill Americans. And this guy Bergdahl, who knows? I mean, he... he now, let me let me ask you a question here, Bosch. Would you buy a car that prevents you from speeding? Would you buy a car that prevents you from speeding? No, but they have this choice now. Yeah. Ford, uh, Ford is apparently, according to CNET.com, launching a car that will prevent you from keep speeding. Keep in mind, it's Ford Europe. You know, maybe it wouldn't work on Americans yet. It wouldn't work on Americans? No, no okay. I mean, no, because it... it it's Ford Europe. Okay. Meaning they're like, well, you know, Europeans are used to, I guess, having <laughs> extra laws, extra. They're, they're used to, to biting their tongues. They're used to putting on the brakes. So maybe that, that's where it works from. Now, this is funny. This is some column, I guess, that they have that's called technically incorrect. So it's not that it's actually, inc- you know, it's a play on politically right. incorrect. That's pretty cute. Yeah. The S-Max, they say, is equipped with an intelligent speed limiter, which reads speed limit road signs. And slows you down accordingly. Now, that could be bad, right? Now, you'd have to make sure that the road signs, I guess, were coded and they looked very different than other things. Because suppose there was a sign 
that had some numbers on it, but it wasn't really a speed limit sign. Right. And your car read it mistakenly and suddenly slowed you down to like 10 miles an hour in a right. 50 you know, mile per hour speed limit zone or something. I think I think or no. Like, or it's like, you know, if you are about to watch the Avengers, you're driving and then you're going to be late and you can't go 100 miles per hour. You know, to make sure you make it on time, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that would be horrible. It's ridiculous. That would be horrible. What, the missing the movie or? So what do you think? I mean, w- I mean, would you like to, if this could work, and if I wasn't afraid that it was going to read a sign incorrectly and suddenly bring me to a screeching halt in the I mean, 50 mile per hour speed limit zone. I put a check on myself for the internet. I have the Freedom app, which can knock out the computer for hours and hours. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so I'm not tempted right. to check out news during the day. Isn't it true that Yaron Brook on his show talked about the fact that he had a hard time with speeding sometimes? Yeah, or? well, he had a lot of tickets. A lot of tickets. So if you were Yaron Brook, you might want this if you were well, getting... That's, well, that's the last thing you want if, if you're him, actually, because you want to speed. Well, right, <laughs> I mean, right. But I mean, but if, if they if, really if you, accumulate it, to the point where you might lose your license, exactly. it might be a good choice. Exactly. So if that was your choice, then you might even drive this car. Maybe. And if jihadists are chasing you in the car behind you, what are you going to do? You, know what I mean? you can only go, uh, I mean, you, know I mean? you got to really kick it 100 miles per hour. If, if not as more. long as you can switch the thing off. But, you know, again, it's... Yeah, it, but governments will look at that and say, hmm, let's have the... Well, you can switch it off. But then I'm like, oh, but then it, we need speeders because we gotta we got to have some revenue, you know. we got to right. make these tickets. Actually, yeah, so certain times of the month, <laughs> right. they have you, you switch it on, but it doesn't really go on, and so you think you're doing fine. Right. Oh, it must be like, malfunctioning. <laughs> and they start giving tickets out like that. Just with, uh, uh, this is horrible. Sensor. This is horrible. We are running over, actually, but I want to talk about one last story. And, in fact, I wanted to switch over today's intro to a certain song. Let me go ahead and just kind of play it here in the background for us so we can get in the mood here. Boss is going to leave now because we're playing a little bit of uh, Rio. Okay, so it turns out that Duran Duran is going to release its 14th album. And I gather that Warner Brothers has given them a contract for this album. The story that Rob Abiera sent me, because he knows I like Duran Duran. Yes, I have Duran Duran uploaded into my studio, F-Log Talk Radio here. It says that Niall Rogers, he had previously uh, produced Duran Duran, along with Mark Ronson, who's also produced Duran Duran, someone named Janelle Monet, I don't know who she is, and another one named John Frusciante. Is that how you would pronounce the name? I don't know. But they are confirmed for the new Duran Duran album. But then there is something very strange in addition to these music personalities who are going to be in the album. Lindsay Lohan apparently went in the studio and recorded a track with them with her sister. Lindsay Lohan speaks, and I think the sister sings. So, pro, con? Yes. <laughs> let, let, me, let me just tell you kind of my thoughts with is this. Obama take a part in it also? Is he doing a yeah, that's something? right. That's right. Michelle Obama will yeah, show up uh, and do something. She'll dance. Oh, no. In the music video. But, but, but is she bald now or something? There was a story about that. 
some weird camera angle or something. Yeah, it wasn't anything. But let, let me just, I mean, my thoughts, right? You know, again, I haven't heard anything. And I know that Duran Duran are sometimes capable of writing excellent melodies. Yeah. Okay? So, so Ordinary so World, for I, example. Yeah. Really. Except when he sings it, but yeah, the melodies are not not that bad at times. <laughs> uh, View to a Kill, I loved as a kid. View to a Kill, excellent a James song, Bond song. Excellent was, song. So the thing that bothers me when you see a story like this is that they're having so many people collaborate. Right. So it makes me think that they're saying, well, we ain't got anything. It's a stunt, maybe, yeah. Let's have a whole bunch of people come. I mean, that's, what, that's what non creative rappers do. They always have guests on their albums. Right. Because they can't create. I mean, they they steal tunes, they steal melodies, they, and then say, all right, let's make a whole, uh, you know, it, it's it's an absolutely indulgent act. Now, look here in the chat room. Rob Abiera writes, no. About? Now, are you writing no because of the Lindsay Lohan? That's what I want to know. <laughs> That's what I want to know, Rob, because you shared this story with me, and you must have seen that Lindsay Lohan is going to be on the album. Oh, I'm waiting for him to type the response here in the chat room. Maybe he passed out. He may have actually passed out out <laughs> of shock. Right. That right. But we shall see whether there's any there there. And that's what I'm waiting for. I know that these guys are capable of writing good melodies, unique songs with their sound. But are, is all this noise of all these different people getting involved, is that going to get in the way in some way? Probably, because what does she have to do with them? I mean, who is she? She's not a singer. She's not a celebrity now. She's just uh, some girl caught up with the law. I mean, she keeps getting arrested, and she's a mess. Mm-hmm. What's she known for? Oh, so the the guitarist uh, John Frusciante is from uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. So that's kind of an interesting little mix. He's going to be in there. Oh, what does Rob say? Okay. Oh, you mentioned the president's wife. Okay, <laughs> that's what. It is. I thought he was shocked about Lindsay Lohan. No, no. Okay. So that'll be fine. Anyway, we'll see. We shall see. I always welcome the opportunity to hear some more Duran Duran and see if they can come up with something to span the decades. Like Rio that we're to listening span, to right now. To span the decades? Span the done decades. The worst is when you hear the elevator music, you know, the, the light instrumental elevator music made <laughs> out of Duran Duran oh, songs. No. You feel oh, so no. now, darn with old. Wow. Anyway, thanks Rob for sending it and now I guess I have to wait. I don't know how long I have to wait. Supposedly they are I guess pretty much done with the album. So I think they were just looking they, for the they deal. They recorded one night uh, while they were drunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they, they might lift the loan over. Let's take an album tonight, okay. <laughs> you are so bad. <laughs> they have some napkins that they brought some lyrics. Okay, everyone, I think I'm uh, I'm fading fast. We're going to go ahead and call it a night, but we thank you for tuning in with us. Thanks for indulging um, us tonight, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty funny. And uh, we will see you on Tuesday evening. So Tuesday evening at exactly the same time. Oh, Rob says that the album is going to come out in September. So we actually don't... Have but why? They, they finish it one night. I don't get it. <laughs> they recorded it, wrote it, finished it one night. I don't get it. Why, why, why wait till September <laughs> to release it? <laughs> um, ye of the Infidel number three is what? talking. <laughs> oh, nice. 
It's uh wow. <laughs> okay, touche. All right. Okay, I think on that we're gonna end yeah, the show. Right. Thanks everyone. Have a good evening and we will talk to you Tuesday night, eight PM Pacific time, eleven PM Eastern time. Take care. Thanks all. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.